Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Fragopoulos. And this is... Oeuvre Busters. There you go. Hello. Liam has been so busy lately that he... Good. It's really hard to see you. You get some, like, fucking light in this apartment. You look like a goddamn serial killer. That's the way I like it. And speaking of serial, oh my god, that's terrifying! <laughs> Jesus, Christ. turn that for, back on though. For for those of you who don't, who, for those of you who can't see us for some strange reason, George, George, the, George is all like, George is all like, onto my for myself. George phone, is all like, I did the posters for those movies. Zodiac joke, get it, guys? <laughs> oh guys? yeah, be with me. Speaking of jokes, <laughs> no, I don't have a good intro for. <laughs> oh, hi Jose. Jose's here, everybody. Hi, guys. I'm rusty. Back. Jose? Jose Rodriguez back, back, back in the habit. How are you, buddy? Back in the habit. I'm good. You should have gone with speaking of serial killers. That could have been good. <laughs> Jose's in rarefied. I didn't mean to be. Jose's in rarefied um, company. He's, I think, only the second person to be on the show three times. Do I get a jacket or something? Just the one you have on. Oh, you get man. to keep it because uh, normally what <laughs> happens like- is at the end of the end of recording like there's a knock on your door and it's george and he's like give me the oh jacket oh, give me the jacket oh he and takes he doesn't give it to me he takes, he takes it, it. Oh, yeah, it's weird i have a, a huge marker weird... and i just write o b on it <laughs> yeah and you get to keep like, it but we write yeah, on it that it's, sucks it's, oh, um so jose's, jose's third appearance um previous to now he spoke with us about mission impossible Trace, the third yeah. Mission Impossible film during mm-hmm. our Philip Seymour Hoffman season. And you were on like a month ago to on yep. our Patreon to talk about let to talk about Let Them All Talk, the new yeah. Soderbergh film. George, turn that light Indeed. on. Seriously. Like I can't see your face. I like you're so expressive <laughs> and beautiful. Give me some is that better? lighting. The only thing is I have you to charge for this. I have to <laughs> use uh I have to be on my phone to read Jose's immaculate bio. Mm-hmm. Why don't you um, do that? And 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 so we brought we thought what since Jose has some experience talking about action movie sequels with us, why don't we have him come back to talk about uh, uh, an incredible action sequel? Mm-hmm. George, uh, would you like to read Jose's bio? Liam, I would. Why love am I do? Why am I doing <laughs> this? Borat. <laughs> My bio. I thought you were a robot. Oh man, like Roborat? 
Are we onto something here? Bo- Roboring? Read the bio. Roborat? No, you're a robot. You're, the, you're a Borat sent back from the future to warn us about the dangers of podcasting. Come with me if you want to meet my wife. There, there, see, there There's a meme go. there. There's a meme there somewhere. Oh, God. Well, this is good. We're putting Imagine this on. the Borat theme. I mean, the Terminator 2 theme, but it's like Borat style. Like, I don't know. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> John Connor. Hello, Jack Dimash. John Connor, you're the savior. <laughs> There's so many possibilities here, see? Um, Jose F. Rodriguez is currently a film programmer at the Tribeca Film Festival. He was formerly a senior staffer at the Tribeca Film Institute, where he, where he oversaw the growth, funding, and overall strategic vision for all their documentary programs, as well as their filmmaker industry market TFI network. In the past three years, he's made two short films, documentary short, Adolencia, Adolencia, sorry, Jose, I'm butchering that. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, don't switch roles, <laughs> which uh, was shown at the Camden International Film Festival 2017, New Orleans Film Festival 2017, Doc NYC 2017, and DOK Leipzig 2017. And he's also the director of the experimental short Mama Mama, um, which showed at Bushwick Film Festival 2018, Nighthawk Shorts 2018, and is at the Guanajuato International Film it. Festival at 2019. Jose, welcome back. Thanks, hey, buddy. guys. I love How are you? being here. I'm good. I'm good. Are you yeah. ready to talk about Sanjuro with us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, George, since you since you did the bio, should I do the plot summary? Please, Liam. Yeah. Ah, thank you. Sanjuro, or Subaki Sanjuro from the great old year of 1962. Sanjuro continues the adventures of the titular character, played, of course, by the man, the myth, the legend, Toshiro Mufune. In this adventure, Shanjiro finds himself embroiled in court intrigue as he stumbles upon a plot involving nine young samurai who are attempting to root out corruption in the royal court. Over the course of the film, Sanjiro gets himself entangled in the corruption plot while mentoring the young samurai. His main foil is a villain by the name of Hanbei Moroto, who is the corrupt superintendent's right-hand man, and also a bit of a ronin in terms of his loyalties which is i think an important aspect mm. of what the film is about mm-hmm. eventually sanjiro and the young samurai are able to restore order to the court and bring about justice at the very end sanjiro and moroto have a final face-off that ends in a spectacular display of violence and sanjiro again walks off into the sunset to that amazing score that also appears in yojimbo um the film was directed by Akira Kurosawa. It was written by Akira Kurosawa, Ryozo Kukushima, and Hideo Agune. It was produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka and Ryozu Kikushima, who produced Yojimbo. A lot of the same team mm-hmm. uh, returned, as well as the same actors came back for this film. So Toshiro Mufune plays Subaki Sanjuro. Uh, Tatsuyo Nakadai, who appeared in Yojimbo as the villain, appeared as is Hanbei Moroto. Yuzo Kayama is Yori Azaka. Ryako Dan is Chidori. And I think it's worth mentioning that Takashi Shimura appears in this film. Yes. Um, as well as Kamatari Fujiwara, who appears in, they play Kurofuji and Takabayashi respectively. And this is an interesting pairing because they are both villains in Yojimbo, but also have a similar dynamic as they did in the film The Bad Sleep Well, where um, Takabayashi is sort of this like nervous, doesn't know what to do, and Korofuji is played by Takashi Shimura as more of sort of the villainous 
leader. Um, but the the yeah the film it, interestingly for a sequel uses some of the same actors to play different parts, which I think is is really interesting. George, do you want to tell us some of the facts about the film? Liam, I would love. To I'd tell fucking you love to, Liam. Some of the facts about this film, and the reason also I say it that way is because I needed to buy myself a couple of seconds to bring up the document. <laughs> but the film screenplay was originally one that Kurosawa developed fucking. for one of his former ADs. Um, Toho pressured I like him. I think you treat our actually, podcast like can, a goddamn performance we, art piece we, for your can, your own bullshit. Liam, Liam, please. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to go through these facts. I'm trying please. to work some shit out here. Both both <laughs> Sorry, of the people both of the people listening to this podcast want to hear. <laughs> what I have to say about these facts. So yeah, so the the screenplay was originally um, uh, developed for a different uh, director, and it wasn't actually going to be a Sanjuro screenplay at all. Um, but uh, Kurosawa was pressured into making it, and so he took the screenplay and he basically turned it into a sequel for Yojimbo. Um, the screenplay was based on a novel called Hibi Hayan, which translates into as a break in the tranquility. And that novel was written by Shugoro Yamamoto. Uh, Sanjuro is a lampoon of the Jedi Geki genre, which is part of that Chambara genre that we were talking about last time, um, which is kind of like a certain type of, again, like samurai film that takes place. So it's like a period drama that takes place during the Edo period. Uh, two of the sets for this film were actually then later used for Redbeard, um, which I think is the next film. Um, right or is it high and low and then high and, how dare you forget about the greatest film akira kurosawa ever made high and low we are you monster we are clearly not talking <laughs> why, about why why do you hate cinema <laughs> yeah you know what it's because it's a club that won't have me so, oh yeah. baby we'll yeah. have you so yeah. i i need to destroy what am I it talking about? i'm a podcasting stooge now <laughs> a stooge no less um one of the interesting uh facts about this film is that all of the um, I can never pronounce it as the, uh, the camelils, the flowers were actually kind of like, uh, artificially made or camellias, um, camellias. Thank you. Yes. Jeez. Um, fucking embarrassing that <laughs> they were, um, yeah, they're all over the film and they were, um, not actually camellias, but they were man-made. Well, yeah, but they were used. They were using like uh, sake plant leaves, and that there were like hundreds of these flowers throughout the entire film. Uh, in the mid 1960s, Anthony Quinn was attached to an American remake of the film. Um, it was going to be a western, but it never got made. Um, one thing I want to jump back to the, the fact that the screenplay was originally uh, developed for one of Jose. What are you doing with your mouse? You're all over this document. Sorry. <laughs> He's just oh, the mouse? Around. I'm like, what is this? Jose's like, Jose's like writing like poop. He's like adding notes to the... <laughs> poop, I poop. Um, so the fact that this was developed for one of Kurosawa's former ADs, Hiromichi Horikawa, is an interesting fact because it speaks to how the Japanese film industry worked probably until the, the 70s, which is in America, an AD is more part of the production team. Jose can speak yeah. to this too, where they're yeah. like there to keep things on schedule keep everything moving they're they're on the production team but in in japan and, and actually this is also true in korea and i'll bring up why in a second um ad's at least then i don't know about now uh were much more like apprentices so they learned how to direct they directed scenes they wrote screenplays for the directors and oftentimes they like worked all night editing the movies while the director was and i think it speaks to why kurosawa was so good because he started actually like doing stuff as a director and his like 
when he was like 26. But interestingly, mm. Bong Joon-ho was talking recently oh. in a talk at the DJA about how that's how he started. He started writing screenplays Whoa. for other directors and stuff like that. So when you have actual infrastructure for your filmmaking, it's <laughs> yeah. almost like you learn you're, how to It's do a pipeline. It. Yeah, and you're, yeah, you're exactly. cultivating it's a pipeline, talent. which is not... Exactly. Yeah. And it's very interesting. I mean, this is a, sec, a sort of a side topic that ADs in America are part of the production team as opposed to the... I mean, they do more like work that you would often think of as a producer doing. Um, so that's interesting. Well, and then you hear, I mean, all the John Wick movies, you see a lot of the French big, the well-made or even not even the not so well-made action right. franchises where unit directors and even stunt coordinators for, get to helm the next edition of the franchise. I think John Wick is one case where a yeah, few those stunt coordinators all, yeah. and ended up like tackling different aspects of the film or or they end up doing one of them. And I um, guess DPs do that here, but it's not as like right. It's not necessarily as as Pre- uh, prevalent. Jose, yeah. had you Jose? Do you are you a Mifune? Let's jump in. Are you a Mifune guy? Um, I am. I mean, or a Kurosawa I, guy? Like, what's I am. your relationship? I think, like many people, I. Um, got introduced to him or I went through most of his films in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I'm pretty sure I distinctly remember getting the DVD, the actual Netflix DVD slip in college mm-hmm. of, of, of Yorimbo and Sanjuro and Good also the bad sleep. Well, yeah. Um, I haven't, this was a great opportunity for me to revisit it because I hadn't, hadn't seen this in years. Um, but yes, and, and and I think back in the old days when Kurosawa would be programmed um, consistently at Film Forum, I believe. I think mm-hmm. Film Forum tended to be like a house, like the the ideal the you know the ideal theater for Kurosawa. Um, I believe, and and Bam actually as well. Um, yeah, I, I would frequent them. So this was just a great opportunity to revisit films that I haven't seen in easily like eight years or something you know it's interesting i um ifc center also did a morning kurosawa run like 2011 would be my guess because i went to a july 4th screening of the seven samurai yeah i remember that very distinctly but yeah i i most of these films i haven't seen in the theater what do you think of um sanjiro i i really liked it i i forgot how the tone of it um Mm -hmm. and and we'll get into it but um I I wonder how the viewing experience differs if you do watch both companion pieces. If you watch Yimbo and Sanjuro back to back, this one felt like oh, like I'm missing something. Precisely because I haven't revisited Yimbo in a while, um, but the tone really surprised me um, in a good way. I think me I initially thought when I first watched it that it was a little bit too on the comedic side. Um, mm. But now, because we, I, w- I was joining you guys to talk, I, I kind of perceived and, and scrutinized everything a lot more. And I actually liked the tone. The fact that they, to me, it seems they, like Kurosawa was like pushing himself to be making, maybe do something different or be more clever with the tone um, mm-hmm. or trying to challenge himself in a way, maybe um, doing something that maybe an audience is not expecting. Um, even though Toshiro's character tends to be that way, I believe in Yorimbo, like it obviously it's has similar 
um, he's always tired and like, he's always like jaded yeah. and tired, yawning, yeah. right. drunk. He's always a little yeah. drunk, right? Right. Which I appreciate. Or wanting to get drunk. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> well, it's a Jimbo, mood. Yojimbo's more like darkly comedic, and this film is is right. more just kind of comedic light. in a, in a lighter, yeah, lighter, way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that to me was a welcome surprise, and I'm glad that that I could see it from a different perspective to when I first saw it, where I probably thought this is not this is this is minor Kurosawa. Um, you know, like that, maybe I, I think I saw it that way, maybe because I saw it like in amidst bat, the, the bat sleep well and Yojimbo and Seven Samurai that I didn't give it this stew, but I, I really like the tone. Yeah. I want to chat. Let's come back. I want to chat about the, the, um, the tone, but I also want to chat about the run of movies leading up to this one. And then this mm-hmm. one itself, um, yeah. too, especially to, to look at them in a larger context, which I feel like it's it's easier to do now that we're almost at the end than it was before. George, what'd you think of Sanjuro? I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It's for me, at least it, it, it did feel like a lighter companion piece to the original. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily as kind of like a dig against it, but yeah, I, I personally did not like, like it as much as the original. There was something about the original that even today for me, when I watched it just like a week ago, it's still, feels so uniquely contemporary and powerful. And while I enjoyed this a lot, yeah, the I think the the lightness to it and it's kind of more comedic flavor um, makes it feel slighter, even though, again, there's a lot going on here in terms of its politics, in terms of what it's trying to say. Uh, and it's very much kind of a comedy of manners, of this kind mm. of fish, you know, like... Um, this like person who's like uh, put in this situation in which he's clearly a fish out of water and he doesn't belong in the milieu, and mm-hmm. him just being there obviously kind of leads to all of these kind of. I believe con- it's pronounced milieu. 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 Thank milieu. you. And this is a podcast of the French word. In we his, are yes. This in is his true. nom de guerre. <laughs> Thank Ooh. you. Ooh Thank la you. la. <laughs> That's all I got. But I love this film. I thought it was great, and I had a really great time watching it. I fucking love this movie. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think in some ways it might be my favorite Kurosawa movie. You say that every Kurosawa. I do say that every time. That's part of the problem. But so it's just a remarkably, remarkably, remarkably sophisticated movie in its comedy and its plotting. And it feels so like, so the fact that the movie opens shot a wide shot of the door, close up of the door, then we see the guys in the room and they all sit up and instantly we're like, we don't know what's happened. We don't know what's going on, but this is like, we're in, In, it's like we're instantaneously into this world and something that blows my mind about this movie. So I've been watching industry, the HBO show, which is about Mm -hmm. finance in London, which is also incredible. And there's scenes in that show where you understand 10% of what people are saying. Cause they're talking about like, no, no, it's shit. It's about the accents. It's because the accents, Liam, right? Liam, it's I, the accents. They're like, it, oh, I can't. No, no, no. They, they, they call money their pounds, Liam. Yeah. It's not about. Oh, it's that's, not I about, thought they were like, talking about like that's weight. Confusing. No, yeah, it's. it's yeah. You could have just texted um, us. We would have told you that. You should be watching. So they're, they're talking yeah. about like finance. Shut the fuck up, the two of you. They're, they're, doing, they're the, talking about financial stuff. What's a crumpet? But you still understand. <laughs> it's like, what's a mate? Why do they keep calling the president the queen? 
This doesn't make any sense. And uh, not in the like exciting yes queen way. Yeah. They just keep calling her the queen. How um, how can how can you take a tube somewhere? You can't fit in one of those. <laughs> this this is science fiction. How I, dare quick, you? I had a student um, when I taught English as a second language who uh, was from Spain, and she asked me for a rubber. Oh boy! And I was like, uh, "What?" <laughs> she was like, "A rubber," and I was like. And then she was like, you know, for a pencil. And I was like, you mean an eraser? God, please make sure you call it an eraser when you're speaking English. I'm so sorry, but I didn't. It was bad. Um, So we instantly know the movie that we're in. And you don't have to understand what's going on to be caught up in the dramatic action of the movie. Similar to what I was trying to say about industry before George decided to do a minute of stand-up. Kind of just mind-blowing, like as an action movie, as a movie of like rhythm and things happening. And I also think there's the moment towards the end of the movie when all the samurai dudes are gathered together and like they get good news and they all start dancing. Yeah. And yes, then the, yes. they realize they're dancing with their like prisoner of war. And then the music shifts and it's almost, I watched it four times. Cause I was like, this is so subtle and smart how the music shifts with their mood. It's like Kurosawa is commenting on the action as much as he's doing anything else. And like, yeah, it's like a level of sophistication that I just don't know that you saw in movies that were made at this time. Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel like I fluctuate a lot between genre movies as being the best movies to really be about things. And then like, you know, making a movie that isn't exactly that. And like right now I'm in one of these modes where I'm like, I want to watch really good genre films or genre TV. And this is like, when it yeah. comes to that, it's just so well, well done. Well yeah. done. I dig it. I love the, it. The prisoner in the closet gag just yeah, got so me good. all the fucking time. So at yeah. some that point, that guy is incredible. That guy's incredible. So as, as Liam just uh, said, that at some point the samurai abduct somebody, kidnap somebody who's working for the the enemy, and they put mm-hmm. him away like in this closet, and they're kind of watching him, obviously and guarding him. But every once in a while, he'll just like open up the closet and like, walk out. Yeah, and be like, he was like, I couldn't help but overhear what you guys were saying. And let me tell you That's why you're wrong. That's a bad wrong. idea. I don't think you should do that. Yeah, yeah. it's so subtle and it's so very good. strategically used throughout yeah. where you're not expecting it, but it, it comes and it, it just punctures the scene. Totally. How did this guy movie work for you guys as like not only a sequel, but like the potential, you know, first film in like a franchise? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, this could, this could almost be like a, a prequel too. Yeah. You think so? Well, there's no, there's nothing in this that establishes a continuity. That's true, but I mean, I guess the person. I feel like the the, um, the it's a lighter movie and it's a darker movie in some ways, but it's a much lighter movie in other ways. But I found it to feel like a really logical extension of the the last movie, though much less of a western and much more of like oh, a, yeah, like you not... said, a Shakespearean court intrigue kind mm-hmm. of film. Yeah, yeah. well, or I like looked- a mistaken not mistaken identity but like uh comedy of errors so to speak that we were talking about i think that's more of the tone like mm-hmm. different clans opposing clans and sanjuru in the middle of it and the deviousness behind it and the the conflicting narratives that that in communication that yeah. go from one side to the other i guess the other thing that also makes it perhaps an obvious sequel is that in this one sanjuru is far more let's say you know, refined or plays the mentor role in a way right. that obviously in the first one he doesn't just because there's no not that kind of relationship in that film. But yeah, that this kind of Sanjiro seems in that sense like even more kind of like he's obviously an action hero, but he's also yeah. 
somebody who schemes and plots in a way that I think kind of it even goes beyond what was happening in the first film. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? If we're tying it to like kind of yeah, please continuations of franchises, he reminded me of Tom Hardy and Fury Road. Oh, interesting. Tell, tell, because it's wow. like, cool, yeah. and, 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 and that idea popped in my head when initially they, the women, the, the older woman, um, asks him for his name and he kind of, you see in his performance that he kind of hesitates to say his name, but he, he does. <laughs> but, but I was born in the shadow. Yeah. <laughs> you merely live in it. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we love a good uh, Bane joke, folks. Oh, for, at some point. Yeah. We love, like, yeah, we love Bane. He looks around. Uh, he looks around the room and he sees yeah. a DVD copy of Borat. And then in the other corner, there's a robot, and he's like, "Uh, Roborat. That's right. My name and is then Roborat." A franchise was born. And a franchise was born. Um, no, because because it, it's similar to this and Fury Road. I mean, that moment just I reminded me of when Tom Hardy. He never gives his name until the end when he he's been in, he's now emotionally invested in in Charlize and the women's kind of goal. But both films, uh, Sanju here, Toshiro here, and Tom Hardy, they kind of in some ways are taking a somewhat of a backseat. They're they're being they're crucial characters, pivotal characters, mm. but they're taking a backseat to what's unfolding, and they're contribution to the plot is strategic uh it's it's not like a showstopper they're not Mm -hmm. like the headliner um but they're immersed in it in different ways and their level of involvement and commitment fluctuates the entire film um and they're and both of them at the same time kind of deliver comic performances like tom hardy in fear road is is clearly like the you could say somewhat of like the comic relief yeah, that film, I guess, because Charlize is all business. Well, she's but, the badass too, yeah, right? It's exactly. kind of her movie ultimately. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah. But but I I just saw how like the the utility, how how Sanjuro in this film is how he's utilized and the utility how how he's how Toshiro decides to pursue his character potentially almost and it doesn't really bother me potentially almost to a fault though because there there's so many occasions where they're like let's go do this and they start to run off and he's like wait yep and they turn around and he's like that's a bad idea do this other thing yeah, yeah. and like right. i love that and it never stops being satisfying like one of the things that is great about this movie is how it satisfies like so cleanly its genre expectations mm-hmm. whilst i think in some ways really subverting them um but it's like what what sort of impresses me is I thought about it after the fact, and the way that it is a sequel is that to me it has almost the same structure of the original movie, hmm. yeah. in that it's sort of a guy getting involved with the like sh- with a clear loyalty in this one, but like mm-hmm. kind of jumping between two to 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 kind of like you know make something happen. In the first film, he he has really no allegiance except to himself, and it's interesting how in this film the reason that it feels like a sequel to me is he shows up like sleeping in that barn and, and we know instantly who he is. There's no time. F- we don't, we don't set up. So we have an expectation of like what he's going to do because we've seen Yojimbo. Right. But the, the thing that happens similar to Yojimbo, although in much more of a gangster way in Yojimbo is he finally is caught and captured and he uses that to his advantage. Right. Like there's almost a similar structure and it feels like, you know, you can see it 
I watched last action, last the last Boy Scout a couple weeks ago, and how like right. there's a scene towards the end where Bruce Willis gets caught and he like wises off. Bruce Willis is actually like an interesting post Toshiro Mifune, Mifune kind of like oh, haggard, a little bit tired, like, especially in the late '80s. Like, okay, like I gotta do this thing, but it feels to me like a a sort of like weirdly streamlined version of Yojimbo with like much much different interests, right. and I also think the movie almost has him learn a different kind of lesson than he learns in Yojimbo. Like mm. in Yojimbo, it feels like he reveals himself to be like a Ronin with a heart of gold. In this movie, I think he realizes the like complexities of for himself of being a killer. Yeah. Well, well that's, it's, it's the weathered aspect of it or the, yeah. the, the weight. And yeah. Well, you also keep saying too about keeping your, like knowing when to keep your sword sheathed. Um, and that old woman yeah. is the one who's like, you don't have to use violence all the time. And like when she says that midway through the film, the scenes where the old women are talking about beauty and things that are beautiful yeah. and all the like he goes and he like traces the thing on the wall or the men yeah. like don't know how to behave are amazing because they're yeah. clearly like, we don't fucking know what to do with yeah. this moment. Yeah. This is really yeah. uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it's the it's the ongoing kind of awkwardness of of and and just the the body language and the just the the position and coverage and and blocking that Kurosawa does with like the group as a whole, the amazing. coral yeah. and then the individual. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. The scene where there where he hides them under the floorboards at the beginning of the yeah. film. And the the guards come in and they look around and then he's like they the guards leave and he's like oh you can come out and they all come up in this like very stylized yeah. like yeah. is great like you're just it's, it's first of all it made me think of Star Wars it makes me think yes, of Han totally. Solo climbing oh out it's it's the, Han Solo yeah totally. totally but also the way they all come up in like this hilarious sequences yeah pretty no it's, it's pretty amazing well and then something that I loved was um, and obviously this is kind of like this kind of thing that they tell you first day at at film school but it's just fun to you got to make a borat picture <laughs> yeah make if you want to make borat it in this friendship. biz make a borat picture <laughs> we need a borat picture a film bor school robot is nice robot? what are we going with george for this brobot Bro, uh, no bor uh, uh, the borat i, I brobot bro instead of instead of i robot ooh. it's i i ooh i brobot i borat I bro this fall Sasha Baron Cohen brings you and an, an emergent ivory production <laughs> directed by Martin fuck, Scorsese. <laughs> no, 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 that wouldn't be. Harmony no, it'd be like his return of like Harmony Age Curran. of Innocence kind of yeah. harmony. Ooh, that's, my, that's my favorite Scorsese movie. Was I the only one too when like Mafuni appears like out of the shadows? I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, I know that guy. Sanjuro is back, baby. <laughs> it's, gonna, up, it's him. It's like, it's like subtly, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, uh, like yeah, yeah. Um, no, but but it's 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 really great to see. I still get a kick out of how Kurosawa like hides Toshiro mm. uh, among the group because his influence is not yet kind of baked into what they're doing, and so you see him peeking behind them, and you just see tons the entire like group of you know, samurais. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then, you know, the second act, like every, like they kind of sp like stand apart and he's in the foreground, he's foregrounded and everybody's in the background. And just like that, that visual language of, 
of showing like no now now he's more comfortable or he's more committed to to do kind of helping them um is really kind of fun to see yeah he's kind of out of control as a visual style like i was watching the thing and thinking like boy this is why people make movies like and i don't mean that sarcastically like you couldn't convey the complexity of what's going on in this movie in terms of the blocking and the story and the shifting alliances without like what you're seeing like you can't be on the language barrier for non-japanese speakers you can't like look away from this movie and understand what's going on and i think it's like the most the clearest argument for filmmaking as like as like a medium and i know that sounds a little Mm -hmm. ridiculous but like that's part of what is incredible about this movie is like how we're all sort of like wow this this thing this thing is such a visual feast and yet it takes yeah. place in like four or five locations is super simple and almost yeah. plays out like plays out um very very simple and most of the fights play out in single shots which is pretty yeah. incredible or two it's pretty shots amazing. pretty amazing yeah. yeah um you mentioned this earlier jose but i want to i wanted to come back to it because we've been watching these films from beginning to end there's an interesting there's the the run of this the films leading up to this are Hidden Fortress, very lighthearted, obviously super influential movie. Yeah. Bad Sleep Well. Which is amazing. Yojimbo yeah, yeah. and Sanjuro. Yeah. And I feel like having watched all of the movies in a row, and George, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts, especially because you've been going through this. It feels like for a while everything was like real heavy. And then we got Hidden Fortress and we were like, ah. Like even Seven Samurai, great movie tragic ending but hidden fortress is like okay here we go and then we get bad sleep well which is like what the fuck is this thing yeah and then we get yojimbo yojimbo and sandro they feel like a break from like mm-hmm. these movies but then bad sleep well is in the middle of this yeah this like well weird... it seems like tonally he just wanted to pivot consistently um yeah and again he he kind of throughout his body of work he like people might Clearly, people that don't haven't explored all of his films might just equate him with Seven Samurai and say, oh, he just did tons of samurai movies. But within the samurai genre, like he's pushing, he's do, he's playing around with tone and 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 genre humor, of the and samurai genre. genre you exactly. know, yeah. it's, I think that a lot of people think Yojimbo is a samurai film. It's much more a Western or a gang. And even as it's not a Western, it's a gangster film. Like it's yeah. just, or, and as Brian, our last guest, Brian Cogman pointed out, it's an allegory for capitalism, mm. at least from a certain point of view. Well, that's mm-hmm. what's also really interesting in terms of the villains here and the people that surround them. So again, as you said, Liam, in your Jimbo, they're all like Yakuza. They're all gangsters, the villains that is. Um, and here, obviously, with the court intrigue, it shows that also like the corruption exists on a different level or a different uh, different places, right? Different strata of society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to jump into the politics there. I think it's interesting how much of the film we spend not knowing who to align ourselves with. In totally. Yojimbo, everyone's bad news. Yeah. But in this film, we're led to believe that, like, maybe the superintendent is good news, but the Chamberlain is bad news. And, like, the movie very quickly, and maybe this is, I think this is political, asks us to, like, upend our expectations about who's good and who's bad mm-hmm. and because of how we hear information. So, yeah. like, the polit, yeah, I mean, George, what do you think this movie has to say about authority? Ooh, I mean, I, don't, I think, again, that in... Got cer- you on the spot there, bro. Yeah, <laughs> in, in certain respects, I think it's saying... 
much like Hidden Fortress, where at the very end you have the reestablishment of the monarchy, I don't think it's a complaint utter, let's say, critique of that system. Although, again, it does suggest that there are good ways, let's say, to govern and bad ways to govern. Mm. I don't mm. think it's as an, it's an indictment or a pure indictment, let's say, of that kind of monarchy or uh, system of power, in all honesty. Mm. Because you again, don't think it is. Go well, ahead. no, because again, you have like the reestablishment, let's say, of a certain authority in those higher positions of power, and it's just the uh, the argument being made is that there's certain good ways to govern and certain bad ways to govern. I don't really think it's trying to. It's obviously saying something about authority and about governance. I'm not saying it's not, but I just don't think it has a particular axe to grind. No, I think it's about like the muddled politics and how how like a perspective can be manipulated if you, you know, so much of the film is as we talked, like deciphering and understanding what the other, what the other clan is doing and, and how they try to use that information for their own gain. So that, that in effect is kind of like, you know, what politics is all about. I think it, what I got away, what I got out of it, is number one, like, you know, I, I never really f- understood, I don't think I, I, I under, understood like the details of it. I, I you get like a, 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 an emotional tone about what's a context, somewhat of a fake context, but I mm-hmm. think it's what it's talking about more is um, the, the murkiness of, of political engagement and, and then the corruption and how, how gray it can all be. Cause Toshira Sanjur himself is—it's kind of playing a more layered, a grayer um, perception of what samurais are, which are like noble, you know, like these these kind of yes, m- you know, majestic figures, and and he's not that here. So um, yeah, he's he might be a critique of the way that they were bestowed yeah. with this kind of yeah. authority and sure. culture. Right. Um, or, or that there's a critique, let's say, of the of what violence means in that society. So that it's it's almost as if he's telling them, the younger samurai, hey, if you want to do this, it requires a bit of selling out your soul, let's say, mm-hmm. or doing you, certain... You got to get dirty. You, you got to get... Yeah, mur- exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's what George said to me when I told him I wanted to make a podcast. Just he was like, are you really weird. ready for this? Really it was so weird. Yeah. I don't know why he did that. Gotta be um, the, gotta be one thing shit, that I yeah. kind of wondered if <laughs> this movie and Yojimbo by extension is arguing, and I'm wondering, you know, we could dig into the, the idea that that film, and maybe this film are critiques of capitalism, um, is the idea that kind of at the end of this, but this film and Yojimbo, there's that scene where he's like, all right, well, see you around. I think he says, see you around at the end of yeah, both films. Yeah, he does, yeah. And, I, and then the music kicks in, and I feel like something this movie could be kind of saying is that, like, everybody's on their own. There is no like all of these cent- these central authorities, whether they're you know corrupt yakuza um, administrations, governments, or you know clans. Which clan town being the town in the second film, like at the end of the day, everyone's just like a dirty, uh, homeless, starving samurai around when you know creating chaos wherever they go. I think it might be an, it's interesting mm. thing the film could be implying. What do you make the then, though that? the secondary, let's say, character is a group of nine samurai. The, the groupness of that, I think, is interesting because it does kind of seem to suggest that certain bonds are needed. 
Yeah, and 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 he and he himself keeps emphasizing we're nine, like he he inserts himself too. Don't they like repeat? Well, they, they keep they, saying they, we're well, ten. He says, he says, he says oh, no, I'm not one of you. Oh, right, right. No, right, wait, right. no. At some point, he does no, say no, we're ten. That's true. He does, but yeah. then he doesn't yeah. show up at the. There's a moment at the end where they're all having right. a meal together, and it's like, where's the tenth guy? And it's like, oh, he's gone. Yeah. Does this film have the same level of critique of capitalism as? Uh, Yo Jimbo? No, next question. Whoa. <laughs> I don't think so, from what I recall from Yo Jimbo. Well, it um, doesn't have the mercantile competitiveness between right. you, the sake, the sake merchant and the... and the silk merchant. And so uh, now that I'm I'm reading your your notes, your info, it's that the this Your George the, Facts as we George like to call my, my my George Facts uh <laughs> But it's FAX. It's faxes it's, he yeah, sends me. Like because yeah. he sends us fax with yeah, all the information yeah. we need yeah. for the podcast. Still yeah, you, hasn't. Why, got, why are you guys not yeah, responding yeah. to all my faxes? That's how I text uh, people to be like, hold shit. on, I'm going to send you a fax. <laughs> you have to send everybody a fax machine in order to get your messages. <laughs> all I've been doing is just faxing people for the last yeah. forty hours. George, why are you why are you drinking a Crystal Pepsi right now? <laughs> <laughs> I got to make it through this pallet that I ordered back yeah. in, in 1994. Like, Let's go out to the kitchen. <laughs> Let's go out to the kitchen. Let's go out to the kitchen. You know what? I haven't sung in a while. Fuck you guys, but let I me take a liberated. sip of my Zima. To hey, fuck you guys. I'm going to go watch Demolition to Man at the theater <laughs> down the street. Actually, that would be an amazing kind of COVID parody where somebody's just kind of, I'm just going to pretend it's 1994. <laughs> Wanting around. Be like, people are giving me dirty looks. Like, oh, hello, kind citizen. Why are you wearing masks? Before, but, and Demolition Man was 93. But my whole family went to see The Fugitive. And before The Fugitive, there was a trailer for Demolition Man, which like the... Oh, hell yeah. Maybe that movie, I mean, I think when it, it looked obnoxious and ridiculous and the trailer yeah. ended and the movie theater was silent and my dad just went, that looks like a good movie. <laughs> and like the whole Was your dad like Hans Molman? Yeah, he was. <laughs> I told you not to bring that up here. What I wanted to say is when, when you were just talking about... You won't even tell me which Springfield he's from. The Fugitive. I was just going to be like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't that movie care. rocks. So do it a does season rock. devoted to that oh, movie. Amazing. An entire um, season. It's best work. Anyway, Jose, you were talking about George's notes. Yeah, I was just going to say because it says that uh, Sanjuro was more successful in Japan than its predecessor. Yeah. So so your, to your question about is this film kind of political or trying to put some kind of statement, in some way it is, but I wonder if it's Kurosawa's way of like giving it, you know, one for me, one for them, like giving this one mm. being him purposefully with this in mind making a, a more, not commercially viable, but like more light, uh, lighter film that still delivers in his aesthetics and visual storytelling. Um, maybe he, he said like, Bats, Bats Sleep Well is political and I, 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 I do that, but this time I can shift gears and not be heavy hand, not heavy handed or I don't want, I don't need to double down or, or well, he makes the point through genre filmmaking right, right? which is like yeah. a great um avenue for critique george having read i the galbraith you know in order to avoid a 50 dollar fine folks here's the little inside baseball i had to return the book to the bookstore um to the library not the bookstore i went to what barnes and noble you stole and the book, the book. Yeah. um so Just put it back in the shelf there's an yeah. there's an interesting also parallel between kurosawa as a guy that came up in toho and daye and a lot of these 
film companies that were seeking to unionize in the 40s and 50s. And though he was very sympathetic and, you know, part of those movements, he also had like a very individualist kind of streak in him. And I think that I wonder if these films are a response. And I wonder if this comes up in the Galbraith to kind of we're 20, 1962, we're what, we're, 16, 17 years after really the end of mm. World War II and Japan is becoming a very, imagine a very, very different place than it would have been. Mm. So I wonder if these films are a little bit commenting on the new westernized, industrialized society that Japan was becoming and, and becoming a, because of his work, a larger, a place that was more scrutinized in terms of its filmmaking because of people like Kurosawa and Ozu and all of the. So you mean in, in its depiction of a rugged kind of individual? Potentially like, yeah. What is the film saying about individualism in the face of a very close knit traditional country coming out of a horrible, horrible, you know, mass trauma and, mm -hmm having to, you know, that they're still feeling massive implications of now, right? What's the sort of commentary well, about the individual? Go, go ahead, George. Sorry. Oh, well, just speaking of mass trauma, then what do we make of the super violent end to this film? Yeah. Well, so, it's an interesting, so this is the first, this is Kurosawa invented this, which became a thing in films as the, the, the sword slice and the blood spurt. It had never been done in a Japanese samurai film. As far as I know before, this was sort of the, the precursor to that. Mm. And I'm, you know, there's a lot of films that are, um, I'm sure generic copies. I need to, I'm actually thinking now is a good time to start watching more Japanese samurai cinema yes. because I haven't yeah, seen a lot too. of it. And a lot of it is on criterion, criterion, criterion. channel. So, um, this podcast yeah, what, is brought to you by the Criterion we channel. We wish Criterion hit us up. God, just 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 a half hour in that closet. Slide please. into my DMs. Yeah, I see. On. I resist the slide into my slide into my DMs. Criterion, baby. Come on. Hey, uh, I I don't want to do the closet thing because I would take sixty oh, DVDs and never watch them. I would, they would just <laughs> sit there. Um, what do you guys think of the ending of? So, what do you think of it? I mean, <laughs> it's interesting how there's the he sort of says like, oh, this man was my equal. And we were both men who like couldn't keep our swords unsheathed. Mm -hmm. So what's the, again, is the commentary about like a, it's a confrontation between two men who have no allegiance, who are doing it for the money. Like why is Sanjuro doing this? They're doomed to be violent. Because mm -hmm. at the beginning, in the first film, Sanjiro's like, I want 300 Ryu or whatever it is. In this film, he barely asks for money. He's like, pay me. No. Yeah. Pay me. Like, don't, you know, give me a little money. He does money in the beginning. Like, yeah. I need some but rice. No... Yeah. But it's not, it's not, it doesn't have the same like, hey, it I'll, I'll kill sure. for cash, you know? So what's, what's the motivation and why is he so enamored with? Um, well, that I think also speaks to. Tatsuya Nakadai. Sorry. It's okay. It's I think that speaks to him to him more being this almost mythic kind of character who doesn't, his motivations mm. obviously aren't fully drawn. He just shows up. He participates in the chaos. Sometimes he's a chaos he agent, right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. he creates the, he's almost a kind of a trickster God. Mm -hmm. Ooh. And he shows up, he creates chaos. He sets things into motion. He puts, he puts things right. 
And yeah, there's no sense that he's particularly motivated about certain specific things, but that he's kind of there just to have like a good time. Is he amoral? I wouldn't say so. No, because I think it seems even though we're I agree that you never know between both clans who's right and who's wrong because right. you're just being fed whatever information characters are presenting. Um, it seems to me he still, he believes that he's doing the right thing and he's doing the moral thing, despite his lack of an, his over enthusiastic engagement in, in the plot. Um, I think he is trying to do right by them in that, in that context, he's trying to do right by them. Mm. Um, you know, um, and then moves on. It's know? interesting that this is kind of about court intrigue because it, the, and the point that you raise about like not knowing who's right or who's wrong. Cause I'm thinking a little bit about how, like there's the great, um, the, I guess, drama, dr- dramatic theory writer, Augusto Boal, who wrote about how Shakespeare was the first bourgeois playwright. Uh-huh. No one. And how in a lot of Shakespeare. And I think that the beauty of Shakespeare is that it's open-ended in terms of how you can interpret this stuff. But the conception is that like, we're supposed to see Kings, Queens, we're supposed to identify with them and relate to them. And Hamlet is a tragic character, but he's, you know, the Dane. He's one of us. Yeah. He's one of, but like, he's also royalty. Right. And so the, the information in the film is seen through his lens and like, obviously Kurosawa knew his Shakespeare, right? Mm-hmm. And he's made all these Shakespeare adaptations and he's going to make the greatest Shakespeare adaptation maybe of all time. Mm-hmm. And so much of Shakespeare is through the lens of the king is right or the or the son is right. The king is wrong, but his son is right. right. And we're given what could be described as a subject or an objective opinion of what's going on in many situations. I think that's being reductive of Shakespeare, but this film never tells us it kind of tells us who's right, but we're never really entirely. We're we're only on the side that Sanjuro tells us to be yes. throughout this yeah. film, and yes. Yojimbo. Right. So I wonder if I that's an that. interesting statement about individualism in the face of a changing society. Mm. Movies fucking yeah. do, deep, bros. Oh man, yeah. so deep. Well, and I th- and I guess and and again, the humor kind of masks that. The seriousness better, of it, yeah. Probably, yeah. And the, it's like, in, it's maybe that's why it's a more, I'm maybe not necessarily underrated, but like a more covert film of his that it packs this social, you know, the social resonance and relevance to to Japan um, mm-hmm. and, and what they were going through in the 60s and the early 60s. But it's like, it's cloaked in this kind of like, oh, you know, this woman like steps on his back and he's he's in pain and these like sort of very on the precipice slapsticky moments um, that again might be Kurosawa being like no you know I want to open myself up to more lighthearted fare yet it has this kind of deep resonance. Underneath. Yeah, I don't think he's totally capable of like making a non thoughtful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Motion yeah. picture. Yeah. So um, so is the is, is the last bit of violence then a a a proto Verhovian moment that it's supposed oh. to be, it's supposed to kind of actually be darkly ridiculous. humorous. Yeah. I think ridiculous so. Because I of how the top it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a badass moment. Oh my God. It's, it's so, so cool. Well, also just 
the fact that it's what a 30 or 35 second scene where the camera doesn't move and they're just talking and then like they fall into mm-hmm. silence for about seven or eight se- seconds and yeah. then out, out of nowhere just the explosion of violence yeah, yeah well the, the hold is very long because i rewound yeah. that a couple times because i wanted to watch this is the beauty of criterion collection you just be like again again again, again. brought to you by um, the criterion collection i i think there's you know jose you bring up the point and we brought up the point about japan which like you know we don't we're not scholars and in some ways I, I wish I knew more about, you know, the society, but yeah. it's also worth mentioning that like the Yojimbo specifically, but definitely Sanjuro, they have their roots in uh, film, you know, noir from the 1920s. Brian Cogman mm-hmm. pointed out in our last episode that this clearly inspired by the continental op, which, you know, Dashiell Hammett was a Pinkerton detective that, you know, mm-hmm. got injured during world war um, one and came back and started writing detective novels. And so there's kind of a universality to the kind of like the 20th century lone lone wolf figure, right? Mm-hmm. And his kind of like role in upending and creating chaos. And and I think Maltese Falcon, which is obviously a Dashiell Hammett, in some ways is a, a, a film to look at and a book to look at is like, at the end of the day, people are selfish and greedy and only want what's best for themselves, even right. at the expense of like love and material items are so crucial to life for these people. It's like a very cynical look at human nature. And I think yeah. a lot of those Hammett, those Hammett um, novels are that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, this, but, but it, this film doesn't entirely go the first one more so, but this one has more of a heart. Because again, also, well, yeah, for example, the, the, the samurai are attempting to help their uncle, for example, right? Like, which we didn't talk about. So there's also this familial bond that they're trying to uphold. That's true. He's not, he's actually a good guy. Steal my thunder. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, you're right. You're right. So that's Does this mean mean the check will bounce? I hate this, I hate this podcast. I know. Tell me about it. Can can somebody please release us? Actually, what people don't know is actually that we're cursed to do this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So demon showed up in the middle of the night and be like, I shall give you everything John you Cassavetes want. John Cassavetes was like, you'll be visited by... <laughs> <laughs> by three ghosts. Ben Gazzara, Peter Falk, Peter Falk, and, and Gina, Jenna Rollins. Imagine a no, movie starring Ben Gazzara... Go on. John Cassavetes and Toshiro Mifune and the Peter oh. Falk role in Husbands. <laughs> Husband, uh, sequel to Husbands, yeah. Or just, or just put them in a samurai film. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to cut a guy? I don't yeah. get it. What are we doing? Call it the Samurai You're Husbands. Terrible. You're yeah. terrible. A samurai under the husband, influence. Samurai husband. A, sa- a group of samurais go on a bender after one of their friends is cut in half by a rogue samurai. I mean, to sure, before he's halfway Mufuri. there in these films, he's drinking, totally. he's sleeping. The only thing he's not doing is uh, yeah. womanizing. And he does, I mean, he flirts with that a little bit in this one. But well, not that's the, the thing one. that's interesting that he doesn't know how to handle himself around the women in this movie at all. Yeah. Right. And in the women in the first film, he's kind of like, I don't have time for you. There's something weirdly sexless about him. Yeah. Mm. This movie rules. It does. It's goodbye. <laughs> Click. Goodbye. <laughs> and goodbye. Um, Jose. Yes. Tell us a little bit about where people can see your work, find your work, do all those things. And it's going to look like I'm running away, but I'm not. I'm going to get my phone because I have to read something for the interview. So I'm still listening. Go. Okay. Well, I would encourage people to listen to my previous appearances on Uva Busters. You um, flatter us, Jose. 
you know, Mission Impossible 3, and then on Patreon, Let Them All Talk. And uh, on my Vimeo, you can watch my shorts that uh, George mentioned, Adolescencia and Mama Mama. And also, which I forgot to mention uh, the in the Let Them All Talk episode, a short that I made with Liam. That's called right. Va- called Vampin. Um, I run a film film club a filmmaker collective with my friend Tim Noble and I directed a short um, using someone else's dialogue and Liam was um, an amazing collaborator so you can check that out on my That's Vimeo. right. Is that on your site right now? Yeah, it should be all on Vimeo. On It'll be in the metadata Yeah, that for was sure. sort of at the beginning of Cool. Quar. Um but yeah, we did yeah. A, we did a fun little so did some fun little video effects and a little um Yeah. A little scoring came out was very fun. Well. Jose, which one of and, your? Um, God, which one it of... feels like a different time. Remember how we? Oof. Jesus fucking Christ! That feels it, like a million years ago. It hasn't totally even been feels. a year. We're almost mm-hmm. there. Yeah, Jose, which one of your films is the one where you have that uh, image of you with like the the hand coming out of your crotch? Spoiler. <laughs> well, uh, it, all, it only happens like five minutes <laughs> in. And okay, uh, adolescence. Yeah. That's actually okay. just the picture we have him of him on our desktop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful film. I, th- I thought. I mean, I th- and I think that image in particular for me, yeah. having yeah, that seen movie it, rocks. It's been Thanks. like, geez, like eight months now since I've seen it, but I still remember that image. And I think that's just such a powerful image that encapsulates so much about adolescent sexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, that, the, for watching that film and at festivals, I I sat through all of the screenings, even though I hate seeing myself on screen because I was like, who knows when this will happen again? But that moment in particular was always like my like a real treat to see like the audience reaction. Yeah, yeah. I also just appreciate that like you make movies using like a combination of real life material and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like I would not. It definitely would not describe it as found footage, but it's like a personal essay meets found footage meets horror film, especially with Vampin, which I thought yeah. was such a cool, cool stylistically. I know, yeah, I know. There's tons yeah. of people who work at HBO who are listening to this, and they should give Jose a shit ton of money. If, who, if John Wilson gets to make the best television show of 2020, <laughs> can we get a show for Jose? Did How you guys to watch with that, Jose right? Rodriguez? Is that the greatest, one of the greatest New York doc style shows ever made? It has to be. It's amazing. It's so good. You haven't seen the footage of my phone, Liam. Okay. So, um, (laughs) the silence there is just so, the reason I need to grab my phone and sort of mildly interrupt the situation is that George, we finally got a fuck, a new fucking review. What? On iTunes. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, Dino. yeah. So it's okay. it is a guy that we sort of know. His name's Jonathan Blade. He um <gasps> he has his own podcast called or that he, that he talks about. He does interviews. He talks about films. Give us five stars. Amazing, of course. Which, so I don't know. It's great that I slipped him a twenty. Ooh. And he said it's Liam and George enjoying film one creator or creation at a time. These gents, <laughs> thank you, oh. are true cinephiles approaching well. works that unless you're in film school, you will likely never see with the same level of engagement <laughs> as they do for like Lego Batman. <laughs> for them, it's all equally the appreciation of the creation. Jonathan Blade, thanks, buddy. That's, that's really great. sweet. Yeah, thank that's you. Really nice. So yeah. that's a new review. Can you fucking people just review our show? Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Jose, have you reviewed our show? 
I will now. <laughs> <laughs> he will by I've the time on this, this show episode three drops. Times and these fuckers uh, won't stop bothering. I'm multitasking right now. I, I'm, I, we're taking oh my back God, our. We just got a one star OB jacket. <laughs> by by J F Rodriguez. Yeah. By Rose Jodry. Okay. <laughs> um, next up on the show, Bill Gabiri talking about high and low. Amazing. Can't um, wait. We just we still have to record it. So like fucking cross them fingers because we talked to him about this in like 2016 at this yeah. point. So it needs Ooh. to happen. And then we have we definitely have Redbeard, and we're hopefully gonna do a bonus episode on dreams. Yeah. Oh, nice. I thought we were also and gonna do that Charles Bronson to share for Red Sun. Red yeah, Sun. We yeah. Can do that with the Rangeli Bros. Our buddies, yeah. the Rangeli Bros. Yeah, we got to do that too. But like. Jesus, so many Wait, did we say Rangeli Bros or the Russo Bros? I, I was getting uh, the Russo up. Bros were, were the Rangeli Bros were not available, so we're getting the Russos <laughs> to do it. We're getting the Russos, not it's as part of their cherry cherry. What about the Menendez Bros? Bros? The Menendez Bros? Dude, you know they're they're, they're really actually t- talking about people no who respond bros. to your faxes. The you Menendez see what bros. I did there? We started with serial killers, we end with serial. Killers. Oh, you're a genius. Will you come back? Bring on the you podcast? back. Bring you all the way around. Thanks for doing this, Jose. It was good Thank to you, get Jose. you in. I love it always. Um, it was so and fun. I love you. Love you. Love you. Stay safe. It's a love fest. Welcome I... back to. Thank you. Well, by the way, the, t- the tagline for the show is "Deep Dives by Dialectical Dudes." I think we said that already, didn't we? We didn't. We didn't <laughs> fucking say it. it. It's so good. I was going to ask you what that was. I'm <laughs> proud of it, and you're afraid of it, George. <laughs> in, in a po- if you imagine coward. a poster, if you imagine a poster that that would be featured on. Poster. What if we got okay? Here's a great idea. You should literally we get you should DD genuinely on do a it. t-shirt in no, orange no. and brown. I don't like it already. Like Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I don't do that. People will get so confused. <laughs> oh wait, you like, both said you don't like it already. Because it's Bullshit. I thought I thought like double D's or something like. When you said DD <laughs> on a t-shirt, no. You when you said DD on a t-shirt, that's that's what. Yeah, I got it. I, I got it. I fucking guess this is it. I have to, God, this episode's gonna take a month to edit. Just kidding. I. Was, was I was Liam Billingham. I was Verborat Fragopoulos. I was Jose. <laughs> I was I'm Jose. <laughs> and this, and this, this was this was. I'll wait. Monsters. We survived. We did we it. Did it. Now it just sounds spooky. Ooh. Should we do like ASMR? Like <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Buster. Buster. Buster.